0: Behind you, Trev. Okay. Oh, that the, this, this, this one here.
1: Yeah,
0: that's called a Bond Electroglide. Wow. Definitely looks Bond. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's the deal with that? Um, it's from the um, early '80s. It was designed by a guy in the UK called Andrew Bond. Um, I first saw it when I was in Australia in 1982. They were launching it there, mm. and it's it's kind of like the answer to the question nobody ever asked. Okay. Which our industry is full of, as you know. Yeah. Uh, but it has a very interesting fingerboard. The fingerboard is actually a machined phenolic, and it's actually in steps, like a like a shallow staircase. Oh wow! So there's not there's no frets as such. There's just this step, and it, it's an incredibly it's an incredibly fast fingerboard to play, and it's like it's like lots of things. The whole guitar was a concept which. Was way too much. Like, if 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 you look at the the controls, um, there's there's three rocker switches on there that do volume, treble, and bass. Uh huh. They work through solenoids and a transformer, and they scroll through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, which I don't know one guitar player that would ever ask for that because you know as well as I do that you know it's it's on with the volume off with the volume. Yeah, yeah, Yes, yeah. you've got to watch a window in the guitar that's got LED readouts and it scrolls. It's just, it's just. Super over engineers. Super over. And, then, and then it's carbon graphite and it's matte black, which today is popular, but in those days it wasn't. And it's just, there's just too much. It's just asking the guitar player to accept too much. But if they'd have just taken the fingerboard and put it on a strap neck, it would have been a success. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, it's it's one of my, it's one of my collection. A lot of my collection is what not to do.
2: <laughs> Perfect. How's it sound? Maybe
0: the book. <laughs> Does it sound all right? Um. Yeah, it sounds okay. It's just um, there's there's no. Yeah, it sounds fine. That's whatever. Cool.
2: Well. <laughs> We're doing a part two, uh, unfortunately. Uh, We had a technical issue, Um, but I hope everybody's well. We are here with Trev Wilkinson of Awesome Wilkinson Parts and Hardware for Guitars and all kinds of uh, instruments. Um, And sorry about that, but how are you?
0: Um, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we're we're, we're all buried up.
2: Yeah, yeah. All here, too. Dave, your background. All good here. Your background's kind of blurred. You've got that Skype blurred background
1: okay well that's fine
2: yeah that's fine
1: <laughs> I, I don't know how that happened but okay right, there's a switch but i don't even know how to change it now so who cares
2: yeah all right so um so trev you're in the uk like we were saying before yep. and close to liverpool yep. you said and uh that's a place i've yep. always wanted to come visit so one day hopefully when we're allowed out of our houses um yeah so uh so trev tell us How'd you get into doing this stuff? I, I'm really you know, curious how the business started. How'd you get into guitar parts? And take us back, because I'm curious. Uh,
0: to, way, 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 way back. Um, yeah, I, I, I played guitar when I was a kid. Um, always messed about with guitars. Built my first guitar when I was at art college in the mid-60s. Um, made a um, fluorescent orange plex, plexiglass Telecaster. Oh, wow out of bits and pieces and things that I've made. Huh. Uh, and, and then I I, I, uh, I came out of art college and um, um, graduated as a uh, graphic designer and um, did that for a little while and then ended up going into the um, into the car game, into the car business, buying and selling cars. And at, at that time, I was learning how to paint cars. So consequently, because you can paint a car, people would say to you, can you paint my guitar for me? And of course, you go, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So, I was, you know, painting guitars for guys, sixty-one strats and things with snakeskin finishes, Um <laughs> you do. Um, and then, of course, you've got to pull it apart, and then when you pull it apart, you've got to put it back together again. Um, and so, it kind of gets you into um, guitar building and understanding the way guitars work. And then, in nineteen eighty-two, I was actually living in, in Australia. I um, I got pretty tired of doing cars. I've been doing cars for like nearly 15 years, so I thought I'll have a change and I will go into guitars full time. So I created a workshop in in my home in in Brisbane, Australia, and started to do guitar building, guitar repairs, and that was at the time when um, I mean literally again, you know, I was I was fitting non fine tuning Floyd Roses to beautiful old Stratocasters and things because. In those days, everybody wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. And to be Eddie Van Halen, you didn't need talent. You needed the Floyd Rose. <laughs> so um, I looked at this thing and I thought, OK, I, I see what Floyd's doing with this. And this is pre fine-tuning, don't forget, um, which is a whole different kind of thing. Um, and so I looked at it and I thought, OK, well, I can see what Floyd's doing and, and, and I understand it. But rather than stop the strings moving at the nut, why don't we allow them to move but control it? So that's when I came up with the concept of a, of a needle-bearing loaded small nut. It was only 3 sixteenths of an inch um, wide and, and literally would drop into a strap um, nut route with a slight mod. And, um, and it worked. It, it, it worked. So in 1984, I um, got on an airplane and came to L.A. looking for a way to make and market this product, which ultimately a couple of years later turned into the Fender Wilkinson Roller nut, which was um, used on the Strat Plus for quite a few years.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I didn't know that was
0: you. Wow. Yeah, it was the, the, it was the big nut, the one that you get on the Jeff Beck guitar. The one, the one behind me there is the Jeff Beck guitar with the, with the, with the nut on, on, on the headstock. He still uses it to this day. So that, that was sort of like, that kind of got me into the industry. Once I was doing that, I was thinking, okay, well, what else can we build? Can we, can we build a better bridge? Can we build a better bass bridge? What, what can we do? All the time, just trying to make life easier for the guitar player.
2: Right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, and, I, remember, I remember when that nut that, uh, that came
0: out. Yeah, yeah. We, we were selling quite a lot. I think Fender were producing between 1200 and 1500 a month.
1: Yeah, I totally, I totally remember that nut. Absolutely.
0: Mm. There's yeah. some of the requests for it. It's still, it's still available, but, but I've, I've licensed it to Goto. Um, but there isn't a massive demand for it. But it's something that I keep thinking about. Should I reintroduce it? Because when the nuts are on eBay, they're, they're like a fortune. They're, they're, they're kind of like $200, $250 when you, when you find an original, you know? Wow.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, they were really cool. And
0: then, so then, what was the
2: uh, what was the next product that you came out with after that?
0: Uh, the first thing I did actually was a bass bridge. I, I, I designed a bass bridge, and I, I think I was probably the first guy to actually use aluminum um, uh, on, on 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 guitars at that time. Apart from obviously the soundcast parts that get on the early Gibsons and things, um, but I, I, I felt it it really helped a, a bass bridge because it transmitted more frequencies to the body than just uh, at the time the the badass was going big and massive bridges made out of brass, which to me, we've all got our own opinions. We've all got our own ears, um, our, our taste in our ears, or sounds. But um, I thought it robbed frequencies. I don't think brass enhances anything, to be perfectly frank. Um, so the whole brass mass thing was a bit, was a bit strange to me. Hmm. Uh, and, that and it had side-to-side spacing, so you could do all the different interspacing between wide strings and thin strings. And again, that was that, that was quite successful. In those days, I really, really wish we had have had what we've got now, which is the internet. Because between me and the guitar player and the bass player were two levels of sales prevention, which seemed to be a distributor and a dealer. Because they wouldn't buy the product because the people weren't asking for it. But the people couldn't find out about it unless it was in a shop or on a guitar. Right, right. And that's, that, that was kind of frustrating. So a, lo- a lot of things kind of like weren't weren't as successful as I think they could have been. Um, but the most successful I had, obviously, was, was with Defender Wilkinson Rolling Up. And also then the VS100 Vibrato, which was the first serious Vibrato that, that, that I did, which had the um, lockdown saddles and um, was was a very, very stable piece. And it's still going well today. The sales of VS100s are are, are are phenomenal. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased about that. And well, then everything just became offshoots of those those kind of products. Seeing a need in the market, designing it, making it, showing it to guitar players, If they bought it, they bought it, mm. and ended up with quite a good OEM business. There was a lot of guitar companies um, buying works and Hardware in the uh, 80s and 90s.
2: Yeah, I remember that. Um, By the way, we got a super chat from Peter Urban. What's up, Peter? He says, Team Tone Talk, keep up the great work and stay healthy. And of course, this question is very close to my heart. He says, any chance the new Wilkinson Bridge is coming out in Lefty for public
0: purchase? (laughs) Everything hopefully is for public purchase in the end. yeah, um, it, it is. We, we've really that um, I presume he's talking about the new VS132P, mm-hmm. which was, was launched on the John Sir Pete Thorne model. Um, that has been uh, an incredible, um, an incredible success for us. Um, those saddles uh, I've I actually designed well over 25 years ago. But because Wilkinson really wasn't the guy that said you have to use a wrench, I was the guy that always said you don't need a wrench. I kind of put them on the shelf, and it wasn't until um, a conversation I had with John Sir a few years ago now, where he was still saying, "Come on, Trev, you've got to have an answer." I'm still, I'm still not quite there. I'm still not quite happy with the way, even the best um, non-locking vibrato bridges are working, and I don't want to go to a, a, a double locking system. Mm-hmm. So I showed him the saddles, and he said, "I'd be very interested to try some." So I ended up making a set, and we put a we put a bridge together. And I showed it to him, left him a couple of samples. He um, he showed it to Pete Thorne. Pete put it on a guitar, went out there and basically did the shakedown test for about like nine months on this thing and just said, OK, so I have to use a little Allen wrench on one, on one screw. I, I ain't going to worry about that. The tuning stability is so good in comparison to anything else. Um, I, I'd like to run with it. So that, that started to take off. So we're playing catch up at the moment. Um, getting back to the question... Yes, there will be a left-handed version of it available. Um, Don't forget that we do actually make saddles available as a set without a vibrato, and they have been designed to fit any vibrato that's ever been made since 1954. So if you've got a left-handed bridge, whether it's a 6 screw bridge on a Fender or uh, an American Standard style of bridge or whatever it is, um, if you go and have a look at Wilkinson Direct on Reverb, you will see those saddle sets are for sale and they will work on a left handed bridge. So that will 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 give you the basic concept. Um and if you've got a good return to zero with a two pivot bridge or whatever bridge you've got, then you can take advantage of that um technology for the want of a better word.
2: Yeah, that's great. And that's actually what I did. I um I ordered a set from you guys from Kate and um I'm gonna put it on my G and L.
0: Great, yeah, you know, it'll go. It'll yeah, go so
2: in a, That's what I yeah. figured, and it'll be awesome. So, uh, so yeah, Peter, you just get the saddles. Um, we have another question from uh, Bent Rossum. He says, "Please tell Trev." Actually, it's just a comment. Please tell Trev that I really appreciate him and his wife. They shipped me two of the new locking tremolos direct in about five days to the USA from England. Great people they
0: are. Well, that's really good, but it's not my wife; it's my daughter. So I'm very, uh, I'm very flattered. She's very hurt.
2: <laughs> well i don't know if you saw a picture but okay
1: <laughs> so that's too funny
2: um that's funny because i didn't kate's your daughter yes yeah, she is i yeah. didn't know you see i i i had no idea
0: she's been with me for like the last i think 15 16 years or something maybe maybe even longer she's um she, she's got rock and roll in her blood i mean i took her to the first nam show when she was like five years old in 1985 and, um, she's been to Nam shows ever, ever since. And, um, she just absolutely loves the industry and I'm pleased to say the industry loves her. Yeah. And she does a phenomenal job and she's great people person. So, mm-hmm. um, the service from Kate is, is second to none.
2: Yeah. She's been a pleasure to, to communicate with. So I hope she's well and her kids and everybody.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Yeah. Um,
2: so, uh, let's get back. So, um, so I remember then you started doing uh, replacement bridges for, it was like the, the big thing on the gear page at one point was you got to get the replacement Wilkinson uh, Telecaster bridge. Um, oh yeah. yeah. That was, that was like a big seller for you too, right?
0: Yeah, It was. I'm and, and, and still going well. We, we do three versions of it. We, um, I, I started with the three saddle bridge, which again is used on the John Sur guitar um, and some high dollar stuff because it is an expensive piece. But it's got the, sa- the saddles on it. I-, I always believed that a telecaster gets part of its sound and, and tone transfer, resonance transfer from having two, two strings hold one saddle still. Um, and in-, in several interviews, people have heard me say, I- I'm-, I'm a firm believer that nothing should move underneath the string. If, if you're asking the string to stop th- something from moving or vibrating, you are then robbing that string of energy and to my way of thinking um sustain comes from the amount of time a string can ring can vibrate yes we can get extra sustain from gains in amps we can get um powerful pickups overwhelmed but the reality of it is is all those things can only sense what the string is doing to the guitar so i've always been a firm believer that three saddles is the way to give somebody a telecaster sound i'm not saying it sounds better I never get into the discussion of one thing sounding better than another. It's too subjective. It's too personal. But the reality of it is, if you're going to do something, then try and do it as right as possible. So I developed these saddles that actually swiveled in the center so that you could have three saddles on a Telecaster and get perfect intonation string to string mm. by simply undoing the, undoing the screw in the center of the saddle and twisting the saddle to, to bring like the E and the B, And the G and the D and the E and the A in perfect tune to each other, which gives you spot-on intonation. And that's been out with GoTo for a long, long time. Um, One of the first products I licensed to GoTo. Then we did a simplified version of it for my 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 manufacturing partner called Sungil in uh, in uh, Korea, uh, where we just offset the saddles, and it's a fixed intonation. Um, With a standard string gauge, it's very, very close, and you can get. A, a, a Tallycaster bridge. Very, 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 very close with that. And then the third one that we've just launched with another with another manufacturing partner in Korea called Taysung is we've actually done one where um, in fact I'll, I'll try and show it if I can. I've got one here in front of me whether whether it will show up on the camera. Can can you see that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, if we if we do that, you can see that all those three saddles have got Offset intonation cuts.
2: Yeah, genius.
0: Now some people, some people have said to me, "Okay, we like that. that's great, Trev, but I'm using a hybrid gauge, or I'm I'm mixing strings, I'm mixing different diameters, and the intonation t- travel is just that little bit too much." So again, I thought, "Oh, hang on a minute, we're actually only using one side of this barrel saddle." So if we were to take that saddle, and if we were to turn it over which is hard to do when you're actually doing it in front of a camera. If we turn that saddle over, now one side is a barrel and the other side is offset. So you've actually moved the intonation line half a saddle back. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got videos of guys with this bridge now on, on Telecasters showing perfect intonation across all six strings with those three saddles. So,
2: That's awesome. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's great stuff. So how did you come up, like, what's your
2: process when you're developing stuff like this? I mean, I, I, I'd really love to know, like, are you, you know, and how, how's your background in terms of designing that stuff? You said you were a graphic and, uh, designer before, right?
0: Yeah, um, that's what I, I, I left art school. As. Um only used it a little bit. Um, I, think, I think so much of it is actually common sense. And I'm and, and looking at it from... I am a guitar player, but I'm, I, I am a bad guitar player. Um, but I've done enough playing with bands on stage and things to know that I don't want to have to be worrying about what my equipment's doing because I have enough trouble learning chords and lead solos <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I figure that the guitar player's got a hard job, the hard, the, hard, the hard enough job as it is on stage without having to worry about whether his gear's working. So as, you, as you're playing guitar and you're learning about things and you're pulling guitars apart, you start to look at things. And, it, and it's just common sense that if that's not doing something, then why isn't it doing it? I now, mean, I, you know, I, I have tremendous respect for Floyd. I mean, he looked at the problem and, and he solved it. He, he solved it very, very well. but To me, just that little bit too complicated. But he created a phenomenal thing. And I mean, the Floyd Rose became more than just a vibrato. The Floyd Rose became a style of playing
1: right
0: yeah well. uh, and a lot of people made a lot of dollars on the back of that bridge um, but there was always the other camp of people that actually didn't want to do that and that's basically what we what we try and um, supply to people is is, is is the is the alternative way of doing things mm-hmm. and i um, listening you, you can hear the guitar you know you still can't get to the bottom of Why sometimes you build a guitar, you put a guitar together, and you you may find this Dave with your your guitars with Grover building beautiful guitars. All the guitars are fabulous, but you get that occasional guitar that when you just play it and strum it, it just shouts at you. Sure, you you, you know, and 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 it's frustrating because you want to be able to do that all the time. Right, and it's just CNC machines, and it's not just tone testing wood, and it's not just baking maple. It's not. There's something about something when it goes together. And an awful lot of that is, has to be the transmission of the vibration of the strings to the guitar. So I think hardware, kind of like sometimes I'd said to you previously, Mark, that hardware sometimes is the poor relative of a guitar. Not enough thought gets into putting what hardware should go on a guitar. There's too much thoughts about a nice flame maple top or what, what's this or what's that. And the reality of it is, is nothing will work if the string cannot transmit its energy and tone to the instrument, and that's what hardware does. You can't build a guitar without guitar hardware.
2: Yeah, I mean, and hardware is super important. I mean, Dave, you, you
1: talk about the hardware that's I, one, I, yeah. I'm I'm picky about all that stuff, and you know, I I've, we've been talking a little bit about you know maybe eventually here implementing some some of uh, Travis' new bridge on some instruments um uh that hasn't happened yet and right now god who knows how that, when that's gonna happen exactly but um, I can wait. <laughs> but uh you know uh, you know i i think i would i would like to i mean i've i've used some of your products in the past in fact i have a guitar with a cutoff bridge that's one of your um from some manufacturer oh yeah yeah
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, sure. off, yeah. Uh, the 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 compensated saddles um which I love. I actually have two guitars with that on it here. Great, thank you. Um uh, and in the past, I remember I, I remember first when the VS 100 came out, uh it it was a cool bridge. I don't know if I loved what it was made of and mm-hmm. then And then um, the second one I remember, but at the time, I think it was called something different. Now it's called something different. But it was the same basic architecture, but with the bent metal saddles. Yeah. Um, So it was like sort of like a VS-100 bent metal saddles. But I think the bridge plate was different, wasn't it?
0: Um, It was the same bridge plate as a VS-100. I did that at the request of um, Jim Tyler.
1: Yes that's
0: where i got it from and that's that's what said trevor really really like the um really like the vs100 the way it works the way it stays in tune but i'm missing that strat sparkle for the want Mm -hmm. of a better expression Mm -hmm. um could you put uh, uh, sorry i'm I'm skipping ahead here i'd already designed the the bridge called a vsv Mm -hmm. and that bridge was designed in Answer to the guitar players that said, well, I want to put something on a vintage strap, not a two post strap yeah. post pivot like an American standard. And and the VS 100 works great. But again, I'm not hearing what I get out of a bent steel saddle. Yeah. So I looked at the bent steel saddle and went, OK, how, how can I how can I achieve this tonality with bent steel, but yet give everybody the stability that you've already got with a VS 100? so that's when i ended up designing the vsv and then that was a six screw um pivot but the six holes were not all the same one hole was a circle which located the bridge from the side and the other five holes were actually elongated slots Mm -hmm. and that helped with the pivot return to zero it's very very difficult to get six screws in the right place in wood you you can drill the holes with a CNC machine and they can be perfectly spaced, but a screw by its very nature will decide how it's going to go in that wood. So you ended up getting on vintage bridges, you ended up getting a couple of the screws slightly off the one side of the hole. And that now started the bridge to sort of like tip forward and stay there or pull back and stay there. Didn't have a good return to zero. So again, thinking very simply and, and sensibly Okay, let's make five slots so that if the screw does go in slightly crooked, you're not actually getting it to stick in a corner of the hole. Yeah so that, that was where that worked great. So Jim still wanted the the two pivot, but he wanted the sound of the steel saddles. So we ended up putting the steel saddles on a vs 100 and that turned into a VG 300 because it was mostly made by Goto and and that's what Jim tightly used for many, many many years may may still do to be honest with you but that 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 comes out of that that comes out of japan from goto
1: yeah i like that bridge a lot that sounded yeah. good um i also had a guitar with the uh the, the vsv on it also too right. i i thought it was very interesting and also uh the the how the strings went in the block too yeah uh you what were they staggered or something I, i'm trying to remember now
0: they were they, they were they were they Yeah. Again, I think an awful lot of people seem to forget that when all these holy grail of guitars, which let's face it, people still want to buy a 54 Strat and a 59 Les Paul and a 52 Tele. That when I don't think we're ever going to get away from this. I don't think they're always what people think they are. But the reality of it is, is um, that's what that's what people seem to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. We can make them much better now than what we, what what they were when Leo was building them. Um, but they, they they still gravitate to, to 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 towards that that style of guitar. But what people forget is all those guitars were designed and made in a time when we had a wound G string, not a plain G string.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when, in about 1962, 63, maybe something like that, I remember first when I was a kid being told about getting a set of Gibson Sonomatics. And Throwing the low E string away and dropping all the strings down and putting a high E banjo to replace the high E string which was now the B string on the guitar Hmm. and That now moved all the strings over which now we had a plain G The minute we did that the G saddle had to be moved further back on the plate rather than further forward So when you have a G string the G saddle is the furthest forward on the plate so the angle of the string coming out of the hole over the, from the top plate to the intonation point is shallow, like all the other strings are. But when you move the G string saddle back to compensate for a plain G, the, the plain G now comes straight out the block and hooks on the saddle. Mm-hmm. And this is where a lot of the problems with tuning stability come, because the G string always wants to equalise tension, and it pulls back and jumps back sharp. Mm. So again, looking at that sensibly. Okay, then let's recreate the angle. So let's move some of the holes in the block to the back, or further back. That way, then when the G saddle is moved back on the block, the actual the actual string angle is the same as the high. E. Interesting. And that's why that, that bridge works so well. Interesting.
2: What are, What are some of your favorite, like, from a tone perspective? You were talking about how you don't like brass. So, what are some of the, uh, you know, we talked about steel, uh, stainless steel. Uh, what are some of the best metals that, that you like to use?
0: The the, the, the basically simple steels. Um, very fortunate when when I got to America, um, was introduced to Leo Fender, and then as time went by, I would spend more and more time going to the GNL factory because we were only ten minutes apart, um, and. Um, he, he would answer any question I asked him. There was no kind of secrets. There was no kind of anything. It was just like, if I wanted to know something, I would say, Leo, why did you do this? And he would say why he did it. And in those days, he was having a lot of parts made by a stamping house, which I think was, was, was down, possibly near Costa Mesa or somewhere. It wasn't Fulton. It was somewhere else. And everything he was making, stamping, whatever it was, everything was going through a shaker furnace and being heat treated. So everything was heat treated, including a teleplate, including obviously the the, the the top plate of a old vintage vibrato. Everything was heat treated, and this does two things. One of them, it tempers the steel, which will change its tonality, and it also stops things from wearing, which is why the knife edges didn't wear on early, on early strats. Mm. And that's what we're doing now, is everything we do is always heat treated. Everything that we do is heat treated, and that I think is part of more part of the tone in some respects than it is just the actual material. Now, if, if you if you make a top plate in brass, a you can't heat treat brass. Brass will wear away on the pivots. Um, and my statement before about it taking frequencies away, um, yeah, I I believe it does. I don't believe it gives all the frequencies that we're used to hearing. You can use it to take frequencies away to an advantage if you use it in the right place. So I'm not saying brass is bad. I'm just saying the whole belief that started the whole brass mass thing Mm -hmm. uh, was built in myth, not an actual reality. And I think it's proving that today is the fact that when we go back to doing the old style of manufacturing, um, people say, yeah, this sounds great. bit like zinc. You know, it's like zinc is great. Zamac 3 is a very, very cheap way of getting an a, a inertia block or a sustain block, whatever you want to call it. But everybody says a zinc block doesn't sound anywhere near as good as a steel block. Again, I won't get in the argument. Jim Tyler actually loves a zinc block. <laughs> and, you can't, and you can't argue with Jim's guitars. Um, but, you know, it, it's just a different material. So I just stayed true to the original specifications if you like Mm -hmm. that if top plate you 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 make it out of steel and if a bent steel saddle it it has to be the right steel and it has to be uh, heat treated and generally speaking they are they are um barrel nickel plated they're not heavily chrome plated uh all those things heavy chrome plating will change the tonality of something it's the tiny little details it's really really difficult to quantify it it's really difficult to prove but people have their own their their own opinions, mm-hmm. and and I everybody's welcome. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion.
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of opinions out there. Um, uh, we've got a question from Rico USA. Um, I think we touched on this, Rico. But um, he said, Mr. Wilkinson, I have owned 40 plus Fender pluses, most from 1987 to 1992. What insights can you share on the design of the Wilkinson split nut? and the transition to the straight Wilkinson nut, did you work on the design of the Plus?
0: Yes. Um, and the simple answer to that was, I didn't think the nut itself needed 12 rollers in it. Each, each string goes over a roller, on the original split nut, each string goes over a roller, each roller is hardened heat-treated steel, like you'd find in a needle bearing on a, on a car bearing. And each one is a different diameter to create the radius. So it's quite a complex little thing to put together. It took quite a bit of working out. Fender was shipping, as I said, they were shipping 1,200 pieces, sometimes 1,500 pieces a month. And there was some people coming in and complaining that there was a slight open string ring on an open string. Um, and so Fender didn't want to fight this. They they didn't want to be sort of like sending new nuts out to people and and all those things so they came to me and they said look we know the nut works but we're, we're getting these people saying this 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 and this can you think of anything and i said well the only thing we can do to really really stop it and be able to control it is to put another three rollers behind the wound strings and then we've got that 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 angle of attack over the front roller being held down by the back roller but yet we're still not we're still not hurting the, the, the friction and so um we did that and that become that actually became the the new nut that was used on the Ultra. But the reality of it was is the first nut was designed in satin chrome and the, the reason it was done in satin chrome was to match the satin of the spurzel tuner mm. and the satin of the bridge that Shallow was making. So it was a cosmetic thing, the satin. Mm. That's that's the the first way they the first way they came out. And that was just to get an aesthetic. Um, and then in the in the in the other ones um, they were actually um, hard chrome plated as well. Um, so that became that became on the Strat Ultra, I believe. So that's the two subtle differences be, be, between the nuts. I still personally like the split nut, and um, Jeff Beck does too. Jeff Beck is still using that nut today. All the guitars he has built by the custom shop at Fender, he still goes with the with, with the rolling nut, and, and I take that as a phenomenal compliment from Absolutely. my absolute all-time favorite guitar player
2: of course have you ever met him
0: i've tried to but unfortunately about a year ago i went to see him in concert and um got all the backstage passes from management and everything i went backstage to see him and they said no he's not seeing anybody oh. he's just come on stage so i didn't get to meet him so not, I've, I've never met him i just wanted to shake his hand and tell him how much i admire his playing and thank you very much for uh Using one of my little devices.
2: Yeah, that's that's too bad you didn't get a chance to see him, but that's cool that he's still. Well,
0: our using... Will cross because I don't want to talk about guitars. I just want to talk about cars with him. Right, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly, he's a big car
0: guy. Oh, massive car! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, we were we were we were both into hot rods, um, and I've I've always been into uh, custom painting and stuff like that. You still do that? Still do a little bit, yeah. That's cool.
2: Um, I I actually want to build on this question. Cecil Music asked, uh, what's Trev's thoughts on titanium parts? Just an excuse to overcharge? (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course it is. No. I don't don't believe it is. I believe there is something about titanium. But I think think with titanium, we're getting to the opposite end of the spectrum that we are with brass. And, And I think... That, that what happens with titanium is they move frequencies another way I, I believe brass and Rob frequencies I believe titanium moves frequencies and it's a bit It's a bit like go, the, the analogy that I use it's a bit like going back to the first CD ever recorded digitally was if I'm right on this it was Rykuda's Bot Till You Drop." And I bought that album and when I put it on my record player, my turntable, um, wow, you could hear the hi-hat, you could hear the cymbals, you could hear all those frequencies, which is what digital does. And um, I think that's exactly what you get with titanium saddles. You start to hear those things, and you think, wow, that's great. But then when you start to play them and you start to listen to them, you go, hang on a minute, something's missing here. It's like listening to analog. So they are expensive, and they're an expensive material to machine because they're very, very hard and chewy, um, and they cut up, tune, um, cut up, uh, cutters like you wouldn't believe. So a lot of the cost of titanium isn't actually the manufacture of it.
2: Right, but in, from a tone perspective,
0: again, my my opinion. I, I'm, I'm you know, somebody asked me a question. I'll tell you um, what I think, but it doesn't mean to say that I'm dead right. I, no. I can be...
2: No, no. And I mean, I'm curious of your thoughts also of uh, the different size blocks on a Floyd Rose and um, whether it should be brass, titanium, steel. I know I, my, my preference is steel, if I can get a steel block personally. But what are your
0: thoughts? I, I think there's definitely... Excuse me. There's definitely a correlation between the way a string and a ball end sits in a steel block in comparison to how it sits in a brass block, again, because of transmission, because you've got vibration coming over the saddle, going down the string, going down to the ball end, sitting in the block, doing something to that block. And then that block is connected to the guitar via the the springs, which go to the claw. Which is fastened to the body, which is nearly at the end of the neck, and then you get that reverberation of strings going around the guitar, up the neck, down the back of the neck, through the body, up the bridge, over all all various ways. So I, I can see that a brass block. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's not carbon don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> just a just joke. The <laughs> <laughs> dying front to an audience. <laughs> Sorry. We're all thinking it, right? <laughs> I've done lots of times in front of an audience on stage. I ain't going to die in front of you guys. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so I, I, would, I would think you would, make, you, you would hear a difference between a brass block on a standard vibrato system. And you also hear it into an aluminum block. I remember many, many years ago meeting Alan Holdsworth and having a great conversation with Alan about that. And he loved aluminum blocks. He loved aluminum blocks. And again, there is is a tonality there. I I think that it would be harder to distinguish a tonality change between a brass block and a steel block on a Floyd purely because of the way the string is anchored on the saddle and it's not running through the block. Mm -hmm. However, again, after saying that, yes, there will be some transmission into that block because that block is bolted to a steel plate where it has a steel saddle bolted to it and the string is locked to it. So some vibration has to come from that string where it sits on the saddle, goes down through the saddle, down through the top plate, into that block, again, back onto the block, into the springs that go into the claw. Mm-hmm. So there will be a difference. There will be a difference. The reality of it is this. if it sounds better to you, it must be right.
2: Exactly.
0: Cool.
1: Um, I'm, I'm sort of one of these guys... Um, I, I I believe it all sounds different. Yeah. But um, I'm sort of uh, with Floyd's. At least I'm sort of like, what was on the original, and what, and it wasn't broken. Um, it worked, and a lot of recordings and a lot of things you love were recorded with that original bridge.
0: Um, into a vintage fender bridge.
1: Well, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just stating um, with the Floyd's, like with all I, these block upgrades and things that exist now. I, w- was it ever really broken? I mean, it sure worked all through the heyday of Floyd's. You know, um, <laughs> was it ever
0: really broken? I, 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 agree, I agree. I agree totally. I, I, know, I, uh, I
1: agree. but then again, if it if it sounds better to you, go for it. Awesome. Exactly. It's, it's,
0: <laughs> it's whatever, guys. It's whatever people hear. It's whatever yeah. people get. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, Bent Rossum has a question for you. He says, "Trev, did Leo Fender really say to you, 'Why do people want to play my old guitars, Trev? They're piles of junk.' That's—is that really a quote?
0: It really is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, 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 yeah and, and, and my answer to that was, with respect, Leo, maybe some of them were that as good as, as what people think they are, but the reality of it is. You've got it so right or so near to right, and we have actually made it even more right that you cannot improve on it, even though he was working at G&L, obviously his, his, his third company. Um, and he was trying to make it better all the time. That's what he was doing. He wanted to make it better. And, and in reality-wise, we're all making better guitars these days. I mean, if you were to produce a guitar today in China, or whatever, with a neck pocket as bad as some of the 52-53 Tele's that I've seen, or some of the 65 Strats that I've seen, you would get absolutely kicked out of the shop. They would just go, this is rubbish. But yet, we hold these guitars in such high regard, holy grails, and all Leo was trying to do was build a guitar as fast and as cheaply as possible. Yeah. And that's what they were. And so you, you really, really look at some vintage guitars and you look at that step where the, the, the neck pocket sticks out and all those things that, that now, even in China, on an $80 guitar we can't get away with, yet people will pay 45 grand for one with a neck pocket that you can get three credit cards down the side of. <laughs> yes, that's so
2: true.
0: So that, that was Leo. That, that's, exactly the way he, that's exactly the way he said it. And um, I could understand what he meant because he was actually trying to do it better at g That was his modus operandi. That was what, you know, basically what I've tried to do with hardware and what he's tried to do, what he was trying to do with guitars was make it better all the time than what he'd done in the past. So he knew what he'd done in the past. Mm-hmm. But you he, he can't, he can't get away from how goddamn right those guitars are.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure there's some duds, but a lot of people find some real gems too from back then.
0: I, I, there was there was, there was so much um, discrepancies, um, he, even in the G and L days, where where he still had um, ladies hand winding pickups, you know, which of course today is like oh scatter wind. It must sound great. It must be this. It must be that. The reality of it is, is it's incredibly inconsistent. Um, and at the end of the day, they would they would just put all the pickups that they'd made and they'd go into a box on the end of the bench. And then they would move then the next day into the final assembly department, and whoever was pulling the pick guards together would take a pick guard, and he or she would dip their hand into the box and they would go, one pickup, two pickup, three pickup. They would then go, That's in the neck, that's in the bridge, that's in the middle. Yes, they were tested for con- conductivity they, they were tested to make sure that there, there, there was a circuit there but they weren't actually checked for k ohm output or resistance so therefore you get some strats that have got maybe a 5.9 or, or, or a 6.1 pickup in the neck and then it's got a 5.4 pickup in the bridge well it's common sense to me that the bridge pickup will will not have the same Um, what's the word I'm I'm, I'm looking for here because the bridge pickup and the string movement is so little then the voltage that 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 can produce there's going to be a difference when the amplifier reads it so consequently you get guitars that are great rhythm guitars because the neck pickup sounds fabulous but the the bridge pickup might not sound that good then if you swap those two pickups around you probably turn that guitar into a much better guitar well we didn't know about that in those days we know about it now we know how to take pickups and calibrate them. We know, we know why a pickup should be slightly overwhelmed compared to another pickup. We've learned all these things all over these years. They didn't know that in those early days of Fender. They, they just were building guitars. So consequently, you had in those days to go into a shop and try 20 strats to find out the strat you really like. Right, right, right. Quick question, Trent. Do you have
2: a way of adjusting your gain on your microphone? Or no?
0: Um, Hang on a sec. I might be able to. Let me look at this.
1: Okay. It's just coming in a little hot. Okay. Yeah, when you talk louder, it distorts, and then people can't understand.
0: (laughs) You don't think it's the English accent? Is that any better? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Much better. I've gone down to number seven from number nine. (laughs) Well, it worked. Now, Now we know the answer for
2: that. Okay, cool. Um, So here's a question for you from Brian Landreth. He says, question for Trev. Will the 5 plus 1 Strat bridge fit
0: a Mexican body? Depends what Mexican body he's got. The Mexican strats have changed so many times over the years, depending on um, what bridge Fender wanted to put on it. Generally speaking, the only way I can manufacture hardware is to use dimensions that are, for the want of a better terminology, correct. In other words, we'll presume that a 1954 Strat spacing and a 1961 Strat spacing, which are all the same, is the correct way of doing it. If I made if I made all my bridges to fit some Mexican Strats, they wouldn't fit the majority of guitars in the, in the market today. So I can only make bridges really to fit what's out there. I can't control the decision that Fender make in the early days of the Mexican strats by using, for the want of a better term, a, a less expensive bridge, which didn't really matter. So long as it had six screws and looked like a Fender bridge. Later on, people learned more and better quality product was put into it. So the 5 plus 1 could fit your Mexican strat, but it may not. You need to check spacing first before you buy it.
2: Thank you. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions from folks. Um, same question. Uh, Roland Music asked, "How is the new locking bridge doing on the market?"
0: Uh, incredible. We can't keep it in stock.
1: That's what you want to hear.
0: That's exactly. <laughs> I, I, it's it's just it's been mind blowing. The the sales of bridges and the sales of saddles have, have just gone got gone through through the roof. Um, and we just get the the feedback we're getting on reverb of people who've put them on and. They're buying two more sets, three more sets. They're buying two more bridges. It, it, it's, it's, it's been phenomenal. That's all I can say. It, it's, it, it's incredible. That's awesome.
2: Are you having um, troubles getting more stock?
0: Uh, we're not having troubles. It's just ramping up to it. Our, our orders are going up all, all the time. Um, luckily, um, the major manufacturers that we, we use are in Korea. Um, they were hit quite badly with the virus, but they managed it incredibly well. And from what we can tell with our communications with them, they're up and running they're they're, they're making things. Um, and um I'm expecting um a, a big shipment in any any day now. so watch this space reverb. but reverb has been has been phenomenal uh, for us. That's fantastic.
2: And there was another question earlier. Do you have a website or are you
0: yeah, we we we've been putting a website together for about the last twenty five years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in all seriousness, yes, uh, we 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 are putting a website together. Um, I want it to be a good website. I want it to be full of information. Um, I want it to be as good as it possibly can, and it's just something that, that that is in process. So what? What we decided to do again when when we when we did this new bridge and some of the some of the other new stuff that we've done. We decided to create an Instagram following and, and I've left that to Kate. She's great at that. And that guides people basically to Reverb.com, which is Wilkinson Direct. And we are now starting to get a lot of inquiries from distribution um, and obviously more guitar companies. Um So I, I think we've got a, a tiger by the tail and that um, it will be a lot easier to get it. And then when we got the website ready to go and I'm, and I'm happy with it, We'll push the button, and I'm hoping that there'll be an awful lot of information on that site. You're doing a great job with your with your show here. This is this is a wonderful opportunity to be able to answer questions. I've always said it. If you could sit on the shoulder of a salesperson in a shop, you would sell a phenomenal amount of gear. But you can't do that. But, but with the advent of the Internet and the information, some of the information is right. Some of the information is wrong. And we've all got our own ideas on that but it, it is a great way of getting information out to people. I just want to make sure that the information we get out is is as informative as it possibly can be. And then it's up to the individual to make that decision.
2: Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Um, Dave, we got a question for you uh, from James Abel. He says, hey Dave, love my PT20. What settings would you suggest to go for a 20 watt Plexitone? I have the model with the structure switch.
1: Depends on what that means. Um, so it, it, a plexi tone, as in classic rock, not that distorted, or a plexi tone, more of a completely cranked up Van Halen style thing, or. Um, so you know what? What are you looking for? Yeah,
2: that's true. Jimmy
1: Hendrix, or you know, or Jimmy Page, or or Van Halen. really um um van halen it's just the gain on 10 so uh you know as it is uh if you if you're doing something else lower gain i mean play with the gain structure just uh you know start it at the lowest setting and see if that gets you where you want it to be and then if not just click it up another notch
2: yeah yeah because it's got the three-way switch right so yeah it's
1: got a three-way switch so yeah so i mean i don't know it depends on what you what what do you call is that a clean plexi a semi-broken up plexi or a cranked up on 10 plexi with a variac <laughs> you know? right right exactly so, yeah
2: okay um andrew morgan uh has a question and um Trev just answered it. So he says, great to see you guys, Trev. How can I get one of those new locking trems Pete Thorn keeps raving about have been searching the internet and still tremless. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go to Reverb.
0: Reverb. Wilkinson Reverb. direct. Yep.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then that was Gonzalo Cordova's who said, is there a Wilkinson webpage? So we just answered that. Um, so yeah, so how, how did so Jean Sir you were telling me actually uh, offline that you met John Sir when he first started working with Bradshaw
0: he was working out the back of Bob Bradshaw's shop yeah um I, I was in Hollywood for some reason and I called in and um, and that's how I, I met John um, when he just after he'd moved in from um, from New York and and he, and he was doing a refret on 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 somebody's guitar some well-known player in LA I can't remember now who it was and i I was absolutely amazed at the trouble that 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 john was was going to to um to do this refret um i don't think anybody paid that kind of attention to to refrets in 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 those days um he he is one of the best builders there is uh, a tremendous respect for john uh again he's he's doing exactly what what leo is doing and hopefully what i'm trying to do it's just build that guitar better and, and more careful, and pay more attention to detail, um, but you still can't get away from those classic shapes and those classic tones, and and, and the, the way the guitar functions. Um, but the, the fret job he was doing was, was incredible. He was he was literally pulling the frets, and then he was dremeling out dremeling out the the, the slots slightly, and then he was perfectly radiusing the the, the fret wire. And the fret wire would just drop in the slot. It it wasn't being pushed in. It was was actually literally sitting in the slot. It was a tolerance fit, if you like. And then he would do like three frets at a time uh, and he would glue them, he would super glue them in and then he would have a radius block and clamp them. And he wouldn't move on to the next three frets until those three frets had had set. And they they were absolutely flawless. So what what was happening was he wasn't pushing frets in and forcing the neck into a back bow because he was pushing the tangs in and changing the neck that way then the neck was dead if you like what I call dead it was absolutely flat mm-hmm. non, non-stressed at all and then he would open up the slots and he would drop the frets in in literally individually clamp them in place it, it just the attention to detail was just phenomenal we just became we just became friends and and um, and spoke a lot and then spoke a lot more when he moved to the Fender custom shop and then by the time he'd started his own company I'd moved back to the UK 1997. Um, but we kept in touch and, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's been a great friend. I I I just love the guy to bits. He's just so, he's so dedicated and so good at what he does. And it, and it's, it's phenomenal that he's picked up on, uh, another Wilkinson product. I, again, I feel really, really, really honored that, um, that he saw the potential and, um, and, and it's working for us both.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a hot, hot thing. And John's, John's a great guy. Um, could you tell the
0: story of how you met Leo Fender? Yeah, if I can remember it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, I was trying to think the other day, actually, because it was it was the anniversary of his death a couple of a couple of weeks ago. when we, we did an Instagram post. Um, uh, I, I was actually with Leo on the afternoon of the night that he died.
1: Oh,
0: wow! Which, yeah, it's not something that you really think. Oh, great! Um, but that that is the truth. Um, I think in about 19, late 1985, um, I, I moved to California in, in September 1984, and in 1985, and I can't remember now who it was who it was that that took me to to meet Leo, because because I was I was really nervous, and it it was either a guitar player called John Baxter, or it was Jeff Ross, or it was um, Jon Jorgensen. I can't remember now. But I, I met all of them in 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 that period of time. But I, yeah, I went to meet Leo, and and I, he was interested to see what I'd done. And um, I had a little guitar with me that had the Roland on, and he was really intrigued with it, and he he, he thought it was great. And uh, we had a little chat about it, and um, and then from then on, I would meet him later l- later and, and, uh, and more often, and we we would literally just talk uh, about guitars, uh, which which he loved. Like, he was so. So I I always called G and L Leo Fender's train set because that's what it was. It, it it was a train set. He was losing money hand over fist every year. He didn't care. It was it 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 was keeping him alive. He loved doing what he was doing. He he, he was a great inspiration. He was a phenomenal mentor uh, and so open. And and I, I was so grateful for that because as I said, you asked him a question, he gave you the answer. And and it's incredible to, to get that openness. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. And I love G and L guitars. I mean I I've been a fan of G and L guitars for a long time. So yeah. I actually went by their booth at Nam, not this past Nam but the Nam before. Right. And uh Phyllis Fender was there. Yep. Um I think she's passed away since or maybe not. But you know, I
0: I didn't know that. I'm sorry to hear that. If that's I, true.
2: I I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But someone I might have. I might be wrong. So it could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't see her at the last GNL uh, at the last booth. So, um, but yeah, I got. I they had a book about Fender, Leo Fender, and uh, the guy from Dale Roberts, I think, or one of the guys from from GNL was still there. I forgot what his name was. Anyway.
0: Wasn't Dale Hyatt, was it? Because I think Dale Hyatt passed away as well. It might have been someone else
2: then. Uh, I'm yeah. throw, I'm just throwing names out. <laughs> sure. You're just taking a wild guess. I'm just taking a wild guess. <laughs> so, oh well. Um, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I love their their bridge. I mean, that bridge on the GNL is such a huge improvement over the bridge on the fender style bridge. Yeah,
0: well, that was that was typical Leo. You know, that that's that's the two pivot bridge and. Um, You know, an interesting thing about that bridge when I asked him about why he'd done the pivot post, why he'd done the pivot post head so big. Because when you install the GNL bridge, you actually have to put the post in after. You can't put the bridge onto the post. You have to put the bridge, you offer the bridge to the guitar and then you put the post through the bridge and screw them in. And the reason he did that was he said he didn't want it flying off and smacking somebody around the side of the head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) man that's awesome Awesome. yeah yeah he's he's just so innovative um so so dave what what else is going on with you i just found just going on with me
1: yeah you know it's it's just slow around here i mean (laughs) it's we're shut down you know so um i'm here working but you know in my own personal shop by myself pretty much so insane. I'm still, I'm still doing mods. If anyone's interested, I'm still doing you know modifications to Friedman products, custom builds, and things like that. And I hey, I got a lot of time right now, so it, now's the time to really hit me up. Mm. To be honest, <laughs> how's, 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 how's Grover doing? Grover's okay, from what I understand. Yeah, I uh, uh, my partner Rob talks with him more, so. Um, he's he's okay he he was he was okay yeah good yeah. we'll give him give him my best when you see him I've not seen him for a long time yes I will absolutely absolutely I don't know when I'm gonna see him but I, I might talk to him
2: <laughs> yeah i text I texted him actually just the other day mm. just to see how he was doing and uh, hanging in there I mean
1: you know it, it's gonna it's uh, I mean, you know, this whole thing's rough for everyone and all their businesses and all everything for everyone. I mean, really rough for some people. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, rough. It'll be rough for us down in the future here for sure because you know the factory's not producing gear and you know financially everything is is slowed down, so to speak. You know.
0: Yeah, it's um, going to be a hell of a ramp up when it when it finally does settle down.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I know, you know, I know you guys seem to like, have uh, been still emailing me and wanting stuff and do stuff. So I'm still doing it. So feel free <laughs> email, email away Friedman at Gmail. So I'll get it and I'll do it.
2: That's cool. At least, you know, and that's, it's like a saving grace that the shipping services are still
1: open. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? So I'm setting up a little shop at home also so I can – even though I only live a half a mile from my shop, but, um, you know, you start to get just freaked out about stuff. So (laughs) it's like why not have a little workspace at home too? There
0: you go.
2: Yep, yep. By the way, I was wrong about Phyllis. She's still alive and well. So
0: Good. Glad to hear
2: it. Just wanted to say. I didn't want to say anything that I was wrong about. Um, No, no. uh, We have a – Really awesome name from somebody here. His name is unfucking believable. <laughs> uh, he He's says, been on before, hasn't he? He has. He has. <laughs>
1: we love that name.
2: Yes. Um, Trav's thoughts on the Evertoon. Never, have Never heard of that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, um, I can see what they're going with it. It's like a lot of devices that, that, that are like that. I mean, obviously it can't be a vibrato. Um, so it's a fixed bridge. Um, when you get it to the point of where it's doing what it should do, to me, it actually changes the feel of the guitar. And then when you take it back to how you want it to feel, it doesn't do the job it was designed to do. So, it's again, it's an answer to a question, just exactly whether people really want that answer. That's a tough one. It's, it's, it's I've, I've messed with it. I looked at it when it first came out and you just don't see it that often. You don't see it that much. So I can't really say whether it's been a success or not. I, I think again, it's one of those products that the concept is great. The, the thinking behind it was brilliant um it was well engineered um but again it doesn't quite do what you want it to do until there's a mechanical connection between a a bridge whether it's a vibrato or a fixed bridge and and a guitar player that there's there's something that a guitar player when he plays something he can tell that it feels right and if it doesn't feel right He has a really, really hard time describing why it doesn't feel right, which makes it difficult for a guitar repair guy or a guitar builder to actually fix the problem for him. And I think that's what happens with products like this. There's been a a lot of products like this in the industry, um, things that are supposed to stop you from going out of tune when you break a bridge, when when you break a string on on a vibrato bridge. The problem is when that product is actually working to do that job, it's not a vibrato anymore. It becomes an up and down device. And the one thing that I've always liked about vibratos, and I never call them tremolos because that's not what they are, um, they're vibratos, is that subtle vibrato you can get, and th- that's not there on an awful lot of products that have these devices that compensate for a broke for a broken string or any anything like that. Mm-hmm. But that. So the 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 key to it to the key to it to me is making the vibrato work the way a vibrato should, and still address all those problems.
2: That that makes sense great. yeah makes sense um we have a question uh let's see where was it i just had it i just lost it oh uh dave could you mod a run to have more of the untethered marshall plexi style kerrang from twenty? Yep.
1: which run Twenty 50 not say I mean, generally, I mean, it depends on which one. I mean, generally speaking, uh, the runs do have a little bit more of that, and they're a little bit brighter than some of the other amps. Uh, But yes, the answer is sure, absolutely. I know exactly what I'll do.
2: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Cecil Music asks, Isn't one of Trev's bridges used on the Brian May models? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah? Which guitar is that?
0: That's the... the, the there's, there's a couple of very very high dollar Brian May um, red fireplaces that are made uh, in Japan, and one guy in the UK does them, which use the old style shallow vibrato, which was the modification that the that, that is the, is the bridge that Brian took off a guitar to put on his guitar when he was building it with his father. They are very very expensive. Um, to try and make the guitar at a much sensible price point, six nine nine, seven nine nine, whatever it is. Um, he wanted another vibrato which would work as smooth and he chose the WVP which is my um, staggered drill block with the wave knife edge, two pivot, stainless steel saddles and uh, they've been using an awful lot of, of, of those on the lower price model um, and it, it, it's something that, that Brian uses um, and it, it just, it, to him, it works great. He's very, very happy with it. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that they've decided to use one of our products.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, are there any other artists that you've worked with directly?
0: Um, nobody incredibly incredibly famous, but but really, really good players because an awful lot of the stuff that's done, you know, was done around the LA, or hell, easy for me to say, the LA area when I when, when I was there is you're doing work for people who are who are hired guns and they're great great guitar players but they're not like Eric Clapton or Jeff Beck or or, or somebody like that mm. they are they are just hired hired guns um, so yeah I've, I've worked on a on, on a on a lot of guitars for for a lot of guys but I haven't got that sort of like claim to fame I mean the nice the nice thing we got a few a few months ago just prior to Nam was we um, we had uh, Joe Perry's Guitar Tech come to the Nam show, and Joe Perry specified the VS100 on his um, limited edition Gibson Les Paul. Hmm. So that yeah, was, a, was a cool thing to, to, to see. That was, that was re- yeah, the single yeah. pick one Dave, yeah. And, and that was nice, and the Guitar Tech, I can't remember his name, because was, I was speaking to somebody at the booth, and he was talking to Kate. Um, he's absolutely thrilled with it. He, he said the thing is working great, so... Again, really, really pleased that something that, you know, we did like getting on for 27, 28 years ago is is still relevant. It's nice that it's it's become a standard of the industry, which is I'm, I'm incredibly proud of.
1: Yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um, I don't know if this question is relevant to you, Trev, but they asked uh, Wednesday Store is the name of their their name there uh what's your involvement with vintage guitars imagine vintage guitars may have had a few letters from bigger companies in its history how are any requests received and worked anything you can share
0: okay good good job we got a long time um yeah i, I got involved with vintage guitars uh, as a consultant um to help grow the brand vintage was a provincial brand in the uk and they were they were basically looking to build guitars as good as they possibly could at the lower medium price point of the market. And uh, as, I, as I've learned all, over the years, it's not where you make something, it's how you make it. And if you teach the people to do it correctly, you can produce a very, very good product at a, at a very, very sensible price. It's all about quality control. It's all about building the guitar from the inside out. So that consultancy um i i stopped that consultancy about 18 months ago um i'm very proud of what we did we turned the provincial brand into a brand that's in over 100 countries worldwide um we get great accolades wherever the guitars appear um i just decided that i couldn't do any more for the brand and i had other things that i wanted to do so i i i gave up the consultancy um but I'm so pleased that they 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 still continue and um I'm certainly as I say very pleased that my name is associated with them
2: great great I wasn't aware I wasn't aware of that so that's great um yeah harmonicaster with the uh super chat thank you uh can trev tell us his story of the molded switch VibraCell guitars great <laughs> great guitars but company failed
0: yeah Wow, these people really dig, they find out all kinds of things, don't
1: they? They dig it
0: Yeah, uh, again, um, as a consultant working with many, many guitar companies o- o- over the years, um, I was approached by a guy from Korea, and he said that he had invented this whole new way of making a guitar, and um, he would like to show me uh, what it was. And so I was on a trip to Korea at, at that time, um, working with my friends at Murray Music um, on the Italia project. Um, and he hadn't actually invented this new, this new product. I had, I had actually been made aware of this material a couple of years before because uh, at that time, again, because Fender was such a good customer of mine, we used to spend an awful lot of time together, uh, Fender, the custom shop, and, my, and myself and i was privy to a lot of things that were going on in the company uh, with r d and dan smith and george blander and they were experimenting with this guitar made out of what i would would consider to be structural foam basically the foam that you would fill a crack in a brick wall with in an aerosol can Mm -hmm. and that's what this guy thought he created a new way of making a guitar i said "I'm, i'm sorry you you haven't created it it was it's been available for a while Fender have looked at it, but the problem for Fender was after they'd made the body, they still had to prime it, they still had to flat it, they still had to paint it, they still had to polish it. So the reality of it was is they weren't really saving any labor. They were actually just saving a little bit on buying an older blank and creating the blank, although the blank, when they created it, was already shaped into a strap contour. They decided not to run with it. So I knew about it, and I, and I could see I could see the potential in it. I, I still have five pieces of Vibra cell here and in, in my, my um, factory. And I have one which is as dense as the hardest maple you could buy. And I have one that was as light and as airy as the most beautiful piece of swamp ash you could buy. And I have the three in between it. So the nice thing about this material is... The amount you force into it and as you compress it, the more you put in, the denser it gets. So my concept behind this was, okay, let's get a material which we can control the density of. So in other words, I can make a guitar body, which is as airy and as light as swamp ash. Yet I can actually put a neck to it, which is like hard rock Canadian maple. And we can do that all in one mold. And also the nice thing about that is is the contour on the surface can be made to create whatever shape you want. And it doesn't cost anything to do it. Once you've made the mold, you can create whatever shape guitar you want, as complex as you want. Mm-hmm. The the one thing I do wanna state here is I did not design the one with the top horn that's crooked like a Parker fly. <laughs> That was the brand owner's design. And I told him at the time not to do it. And that got him into a lot of financial and legal trouble. Mm-hmm. But some people just don't listen. But it was a great project. And I had to create the name VibraCell because you're not going to sell a foam guitar, are you? No. <laughs> so so I, I sort of thought about this. What is it? Well, OK, so wood create wood has cells in it and we want wood to vibrate, so I created the name VibraCell. Hmm. And the real reason why it was called Switch was the original concept was I wanted to be able to add tonality to the guitar by changing a huge part of the body made in tonewoods. They actually bolted into the body, so you could actually put tonality into this what would be an inert material, which you were in complete control of. So that you could put a piece of swamp ash in it, which would be like probably seventy percent of the guitar body, and or you could put maple or you could put mahogany or anything like that. Um, that was never put on the market. I still have samples here. I still have prototypes. I've got samples and prototypes of everything that I've done, whether it's right or wrong.
2: <laughs> that's great.
0: Um, so that's that's basically the history of switch guitars. But it's amazing how there's a lot of good write-ups on them and people are looking for them all over the place.
2: What year was this?
0: Good question. Ninety...
2: Nine.
0: Hmm. Somewhere like that. Ninety-nine, two
2: thousand. Wow, I don't remember them. Do you,
0: Dave?
1: I don't remember them at all. No.
2: Wow, Interesting. (laughs) Well, I, got,
1: I got I got oh, I go ahead. No go ahead. I have a couple people asked me a couple questions here. DFW listener said uh, have you stiffened up the power supply for a small box owners? I'm looking for a quicker attack and less give. I can absolutely do that. It works. Hit me up, Friedman Amps at Gmail. Um and Brent Rossum was saying, is Dave talking about non Friedman amps for modding? Absolutely. Or Friedman Amps. Either way. All of the above. I'll take it all (laughs) right now. (laughs) It's not a problem. Um, It's just a good time, you know. And um, again, just email me, FriedmanAmps at gmail. We can talk about it. And then one further down I have, uh, which I've lost now... Uh, someone was asking about modding his JC 800 to be more like BE, and Oh yeah. Uh, Skylar, uh, car, mm, car, car, car on. Car, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can mod your 2203. So, uh, hit me up. Friedman amps. Gmail. Yeah. Now's the time to do it. Now is the right time to do it. Yeah, for sure. So, um
2: cecil music has another great question for trev um well at least i think so uh mark could you ask trev if he ever asked leo about getting tremolo and vibrato
0: backwards yes what did he say he didn't want to get he didn't want to get into a fight with paul bigsby because paul bigsby had already registered bigsby as a vibrato so therefore he had to come up with another word and he truly knew that because of being an amp designer, which is what he was, that tremolo is a change in um, volume and vibrato is a change in pitch. And if you can change the volume of a guitar with a vibrato arm, I'd love to see you do it. Um, but um, that was why he did it. And, it. and it's been known as a tremolo ever since. But that's why all my patents have always, always stated that it's a patent on a vibrato.
1: hmm
0: and, and I'm, I've always been very, very particular about that. Okay. But it's just one of those things that we accept it in the industry now. So
2: Yeah, exactly. Just call it a whammy bar.
0: There you go. Or a wiggle <laughs>
2: stick. <laughs> a wiggle stick, exactly. Um, so Harmonicaster says, Sammy Ash has a switch fiber cell in his collection. Really? That's funny. That's cool. Yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Nice guy. They're all like that whole Sam Ash family. I feel I feel for them while their business is closed. Oh, Tough. yeah. Tough. Everybody. everybody. Yep. Um, Mark Paradise, Dave, since Rackman sliding shelves are no longer available, what are you using?
1: I'm sorry, say that again? I was reading something <laughs> on the uh, screen.
2: Since Rackman sliding shelves are no longer available, what are you using?
1: We make our own. Um, so, uh, we've made an improvement on that. Uh, I've been using forever. Uh, it's a lighter material. It's not steel. So that's nice. And you can get them at, um, at, um, our metal manufacturer, which is a uh, fix pedal boards. Look up fix pedal boards online and they're in their online shop and they're still open. So. They're one of the essential businesses, the metal fab place. Hmm. So.
2: so this is an interesting question and I actually was going to suggest this to Bruce Egnater the other day because I saw that he canceled his um, his class mm-hmm. and then he was he was selling the kits. So if anybody wants to buy a kit from Egnator, an amp kit, you can buy that from him now. I think he had some, but I was actually going to suggest to him, and this is what Gonzalo Cordovas asked. He said, Dave, good times for a Skype technical session for my runt. Cheers from Chile. Don't hate me, Dave. Lockdown drives everybody crazy. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's been, sorry, Gonzalo. Uh, Yes, uh, we can. I just haven't made room to do it yet. (laughs) I know you've been bugging me and bugging me about that. Obviously, you're going stir crazy. (laughs) So um, uh, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. But yeah, I think Bruce could possibly do his amp class via Zoom even. Yeah.
2: That's what I was going to suggest to him online. Like, why don't you get those people who are ship the amps out to those people and just do a Zoom or a Skype? Lesson on people to yeah. build build those amps
1: Yeah I think they'd have to, you know, have their own solder And soldering iron or something, but True, that's true I mean, unless he worked out some sort of deal Where he sends it and they send it back Or something, I don't know Yeah, it's. I guess everything's possible
2: Yeah, yeah, I felt that I was like, oh, you could probably do that virtually But, um Yeah So Trev, I've got a question for you Did you ever consider building your own guitar, like the Wilk- a Wilkinson brand guitar?
0: Um, yeah. Um, I, I created the brand Fret King when I was in California in the mid-90s. I
2: remember that guitar, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I called it Fret King by Trev Wilkinson. Um, and I later sold it to the same company that owns Vintage. I sold it to JHS, but I still got to play with it as a consultant. Um, I guess there's there's a guitar in me in me somewhere um so it's something that i've never i've never written off but it, it it's it's really 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 difficult to to think what to do it, it's like you've seen so many you know um dave and i were talking before we we went live about this bond guitar behind me which is this black guitar here with with a, a very interesting stepped fingerboard uh, it's not got frets. It's actually just got a staircase mm. in machine monolic. Um Fabulous neck to play. But the whole guitar as a concept is just the answer to the question nobody ever asked. And then you get everybody, you, you get, you don't get everybody, you get other people. That tremendous respect for Ken Parker and, and Larry Fishman for, for doing the Parker Fly. Um, again, great concept. Beautifully executed. Ken spent a lot of time working out the tonalities of um, pine and the way that the guitar was manufactured. And then um, the exoskeleton, which was just a layer of carbon fiber on the back to give it the structural rigidity it needed. But everybody just looked at it. Because they because they painted the guitar a solid color, everybody thought it was a carbon fiber guitar. And immediately you do something that goes away from all the swamp ash, maple, mahogany, whatever people start making a judgment on what that guitar will sound like before you have even listened to it. Mm-hmm. So to get back to the answer to your question, is there a guitar in me somewhere? Yes. It, it has to be a guitar that is individual enough for me to be able to feel I've done something worthwhile and not just made a good strap or a good Les Paul or, or what have you, mm-hmm. but I have to restrain myself from going too far and building something which at the end of the day will become somebody's heirloom it, it, it won't be you know it's so difficult to create another strap so I'd, I'd love to do it but I'm, I'm it's, it's being formulated all the time as I work on things as I think of things but I haven't actually quite got to the point where I'm ready to pull the trigger. Gotcha well, that's cool
2: yeah I saw because um, uh, Floyd released his guitar at NAMM this past year which i thought was interesting yep. yep did you check that out dave did you see that
1: yeah it was interesting uh yeah it was kind of cool i mean i i uh I, I didn't I didn't sit and actually play it too much but I, the concept was interesting
2: yeah the concept was interesting I mean I don't know how many he's selling of them let's just say but
1: well, this, this is tough. It's it's like what, what Trev was just talking about. It's it's like um, you know you you get beat up for maybe doing something that's not original, but if you do something original, no one buys it. Uh, so um, there's a there's a fine line there <laughs> that uh, you know you you have to. I mean, if you, uh, it's like, can't you create an original circuit with an original tone and original this and that? Yeah, okay, sure. Yes. The answer is sure. Absolutely. But then they're going to go, but it doesn't sound like my plexi, or it doesn't sound like this, or it doesn't sound like that. And I'm like, ah, uh, okay.
2: Right. That's because it,
1: it's, 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 it's because it's so ingrained all this stuff is so ingrained in you with years of years and years of you know seeing strats and telly's and and les paul's and 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 your your mind just it's very hard even for guitars especially it's very hard for a company to do something different that is accepted i mean there has been some exceptions um like van Halen guitars for instance like the the be it the original Ernie ball or or you know the pV or the fender but that was successful though because it was Eddie van Halen so if that guitar just came out with that shape mm-hmm. without him behind it would that guitar have succeeded uh don't think so probably mm-hmm. you know I, I mean think about it um uh so it's very hard you know like i there's a company um scandinavian company i I forgot exactly where they are um uh astrides or whatever s uh yeah aristides or something i'm not sure how to pronounce it yes Uh, yeah i know you know composite it's composite um bodies and uh they're actually um Really well-made guitars, really, really nice concepts. Um, they have. New
0: those have a switch guitar. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, you know, super nice concept, super cool look. Uh, uh, you know how popular they are in the U.S. I don't think they are. Uh, maybe more so in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were—they're cool guitars, and I and I respect them for doing something trying to do something different i mean if there's a factory tour i just watched recently from them online that you know shows the whole process and stuff and it's quite cool it's quite cool i played a few before and i'm they were they were great guitars um um, another thing that comes to mind that was really interesting when i was in spain i had been shown this guitar before uh at a nam show i think a few years ago but then again, I saw it when I was in Spain last year, and um, it's uh, all an all-aluminum guitar. The whole the whole guitar is milled fret boor, I mean, fretboard's removable. Yep. But that, that has like frets milled in. Uh, it's it's removable, so you can replace it if you need. Hmm. But the whole guitar is made of aluminum and quite cool. I mean i I'm not one to you know be jumping on something like that but but like I felt this guitar I'm like this this is pretty cool and I like how it looked and and it sounded pretty good and it was really interesting but the, the amount of craftsmanship that went into that and the and the look of it was amazing i met, I met the builder and and uh really respect his work on that that was amazing I mean. Is that going to be a huge seller? Probably not, but, um, super cool. I forgot. I wish I remember the name.
0: (laughs) I'd have an awful lot of people tried to do aluminum stuff. I mean, obviously you go back to Travis Bean, you go back to the original, the the, the original Kramer. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, the the thing about that in in those days was the fact that Travis Bean neck felt too cold. Um, you left it in the car overnight and it was like a block of ice Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Travis Beans. I had a T1000 artist. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great, a great concept. I even yes. had, a, I even had a mess about myself about making a, an aluminum neck for a while, and I put a, I actually put an insert in the back so that you could feel wood. And again, that's what Kramer did with their T neck. Um, the problem is, is it just costs so much to do it. Mm-hmm. You create this great instrument that, that has an awful lot of worth, but the price just makes it prohibitive. For a guy to buy it, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and he will, he will look at that whatever it is. I'm not saying I, I don't even know how much the guitar is. Don't know the brand, but you know, I from my experience of CNC machining, the guitar's got to be five grand. And yeah, it's like, no,
1: they had it in. They had it coming in less than that. I, I, I mean, I might did. have been like four or thirty-five or thirty-eight or something. Or, yeah, yeah, great.
0: Yeah. So you know, so it's great, but the guy's going to look at that thirty-eight hundred dollars in his hand, and he's going to go. Well, I, I could buy a custom shop Fender, or or, or I could or I could buy um, uh, a, an Ultra, and I could buy a Friedman amp
1: mm-hmm.
0: with that money. And I know I can sell the amp if I need to, and I know I can sell the Fender if I need to. How much am I going to get for this aluminum guitar? Yeah, right. I, I remember I remember years ago I was I was um, in, involved in the in in the Horner um, ATX um rtx guitar project which which was a thing that we did between germany and and america and we were taking it around shops um around america to show it to people getting feedback on it marketing feedback and and i was in a shop i think it was in, in in new york at the time and um we we were showing the guitar to um the store owner and a customer was in there and he was asking about it and he was looking at it and he was saying, wow, this is great. This is, wow, this, this is fantastic. Uh, that's wonderful. And how much is it? And we told him how much it was. Wow, that's a good price. And then at the end of the day, he said, yeah, but I'll buy a telly. <laughs> and so I, I just said to him, why are you going to buy a Telecaster? You just told me how great this guitar is, how wonderful it sounds, how great it plays, and you're happy with the price. Yeah, he said, but, you know, um, if I get it home and I don't like it, I I know that I can always sell it and get most of my money back. And and I, I was I just I I didn't really have an answer, but I just said, if you're thinking about selling a guitar before you've actually bought it, I don't think you should buy it. Hmm. But that's the mindset that, that 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 we deal with, and I just I just want people to buy guitars for what they are yeah and and appreciate them and, and and you know buy what you want not what you think you should buy uh-huh. it's true the people that people buy guitars for all the wrong reasons they buy a guitar because they don't want to get laughed at at rehearsal if they buy a guitar that everybody goes would you buy that piece of shit for
2: <laughs> yep hey dave was the name of that company alumasonic
1: Oh, good question. Uh, I don't. I I totally do not remember at all.
2: Okay. Yeah, I was. Just, I
1: know. I, I think it's out of Spain.
2: Yeah, there's a bunch of companies. Illuminati Guitars. Uh, then another one called um, Electrical Guitar Company, the finest aluminum instruments. But maybe I'll look up Spain, see what it said. Uh, I mean, I I
1: yeah, I could I could find it if I'm looking, but I'm not right now.
2: Yeah, I just figured I'd give it a try um, Yeah, I'm not seeing anything uh, Yeah, that's You know, building a guitar is Like you said, it's, it's There's so much competition It's hard well, This is
0: what Leo was fighting with G&L this is, this is what Leo couldn't understand Why aren't people buying my g guitars? They're much better than what I used to make mm-hmm.
1: And you know, it was the resale value you
0: know, I agree with you, I think g and a great guitar it's a, it's a very, very well made guitar. The lot, a lot of the stuff that, that, that Leo was working on, like the Z pickups and, and all those things, and that, you know, he, he, he had a patent on a, on a pickup with a, a slot head screw in it. And, and if you change the direction of the slot head in the screw, it changed the tonality of the pickup mm-hmm. because it changes the way the magnetic field comes out of the magnet around the coil. You know, the guy was just thinking all the time. Yeah. I think he had about something like 200 and something patents. Um, but nobody appreciated what he, what he was trying to do. And I think I think now probably the Z-coils with the hum cancelling but still being single coil, which I believe he actually did at the request of John Jorgensen. Um, you know, people are saying, well, these pickups sound great now. But in, in the days when I was there, nobody liked the sound of those pickups.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Again, yeah. they were hearing with their eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably the same with the MF That's Deep. That's what our industry does all the time. It listens with its eyes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He he just had great stuff. But I always, always during the years, even on the gear page and stuff like that, people would say, yeah, GNL, great guitars, but horrible resale value. Horrible resale value. Then
0: <laughs> keep it and play it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, the funny thing with me with GNLs, I think they were, they were, uh, well-made guitars um they always looked a bit weird for me you know so um the headstock was eh, i don't know i wasn't that keen on the headstock but you can have arguments about headstocks all day long mm-hmm. uh the uh, you know the trim although worked cool looked kind of bizarre for for at least my style you know and uh and and for then sure. uh and then some of the pickups too; they were interesting choices and stuff. Not saying that they didn't sound good either. Um, so, I, I, you know, with guitars, I often think I often think it's the it, it's the person that the attention to detail is what makes the guitar. So when you're saying uh, John Sur guitars, you know his attention to detail on that refret we talked about earlier uh it's the attention to detail that that really really sells that guitar um and that can be everything just the the aesthetic the 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 fret work the fret edges Mm -hmm. is the edges of the neck rolled over so it feels friendly and great uh you know the uh I mean, you can go on. You can go on the fretboard radius, the everything, the 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 attention to the overall detail, the vision of what you want to do with the guitar. Uh, sometimes there's great builders that do not have those attention to details, and and fail because of it, and then. Uh, uh, you know, there's other people that have those attention to details that are become great successes, like like John Sir, for instance. Uh, you know, Jim Tyler, um, Grover Jackson, Tom Anderson, uh, 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 Grover, sure. Um, so someone has to have an You know, it's just like anyone can make an amplifier too, but if they don't, it'll and it'll function properly but it might not sound very good. Uh fully functioning perfectly, but but you know, if they can't hear they don't have the vision for what it's supposed to sound like and and that's you have to have the the artistic side of it basically. You know, it's the artistic side of it. It's like uh, a lot of people can make a song. It doesn't mean it's a good song.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, the word you you use is, is 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 a good word and that is actually finesse. Yeah, and it's the finesse that costs the money. Mm-hmm. You 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 can, you know, you can, you can find a factory in China or, or Vietnam where, where where wherever you wherever you want to go, and they will be buying really good quality maple. They will be buying alder from America, and all the parts that they've got that go together um, are exactly the same parts that you know Grover would use, John Sir would use, Fender Custom Shop would use. Then wood management can be good too. Um, but they if you spend the time on the finesse it turns a 300 hundred dollar retail guitar into a three grand retail guitar Mm -hmm. and nobody will pay that money for that finesse because the first thing they do is look at the headstock and they go where's this made and you go china and they go i'm not paying three grand for a chinese guitar and i can understand it but that's the frustrating part about it. And,
1: and physically, I, I, it's exactly the same part. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you, the, you The neck you, is, you. is with the same truss rod. It's with the same build. It's the same everything.
0: I think the first time we met, Dave, we, we, was at NAMM this year, wasn't it? Because I, yeah. I don't think we, we've met before. And I had the stuff that I'm working with now with the factory in India with Harmony Musical Instruments. Yeah, and, fantastic. And, and, and the necks and the bodies. And, I mean, the reality is, if I had have told you that neck was made in India, you would have sworn it came out of some small custom shop in the U.S.
1: Yeah, what I love, what I loved about those necks and bodies is they just had the right feel. Uh, it, it, you instantly put your hand on that neck and you're like, wow, this is like an old Strat. This is, this feels, all the contours are right. Everything about it was right. It was made really well. It, you know, everything was fantastic.
0: And that's just a finesse that, that we managed to to, to the, the factory could always build good necks and good bodies but i've always said you need to build a guitar from the inside out you don't just get a strap draw around it and go that's a strap you have to understand that why the strap was made the way it was from the inside out mm-hmm. especially with necks the most important part of a neck to me is a truss rod that's really where a neck gets its tonality from mm-hmm. so i don't like double truss rods i don't like heavy truss rods i like to hear the wood and, and the factory can do that and and the finesse the finesse and the details, and it took a little while to convince the factory that if we do this, we will be successful. Because mm-hmm. generally speaking, a factory is looking at, well, how many necks a day can I make? Because that's how I make my money. Yeah. And, and my whole thing is to change their mindset. is to not not how many necks a day you can make, but how many good necks a day you can make, and still make a profit, which everybody has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the response to those necks and bodies and things and the, the kits that we've done, which Stu Mac are now selling, um, w- was phenomenal. I was I was really, really pleased. So um, it can be done, but you have to have the will to do it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, David Gregory has a question for, um, for Trev. Uh, can you ask Trev about the VS100C convertible trim? Right back. Best trim I've ever had, but Gibson or someone sued him out of making it over a patent issue.
0: Yeah, this is true. Um, I I created this arm assembly, which basically locked a bridge when you weren't using it. So if you if you dropped the arm, the bridge became a fixed bridge, and when you picked up the arm, it became a fully floating vibrato. So it gave you everything that. Loads of people have tried to do without even thinking about it. Um, once it's set up, it, it's it's. Everybody said to me, "This is this is the actual this this is the the, the ultimate. This is the answer." Um, I'd already been granted a US patent on it, and um, Gibson threw a lawsuit at me to stop me from producing it. And to cut a long story short, it's all about money. It's all about how long can you keep something going? How can you bring somebody to their knees? Mm. Um, And we ended up settling. And the settlement was quite simply, I couldn't make it in America. And everything went away. But unfortunately, it it took, it, it literally took that vibrato system. And it was like throwing it in a cupboard and saying to guitar players, you can't have that anymore. Huh. And um and that's and that's basically what happened. But now we we can make it. Um the patents run out for for everybody. Um it's 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 fair game and we are um and we are making it and selling it again. Oh good. So it 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 is it is gonna be it is gonna be available again. Wilkinson direct on reverb.
2: Oh nice. Good to hear. Um Cecil Music has a question. Mark, could you ask Trev about his thoughts on the Super V Strat Vibratos, which uses a piece of spring steel?
0: Yep. Um, I see the concept. I have no reason to believe that it it won't work. Um, If it's something that you want to try and, and you like it and it works for you, then I, I I certainly have nothing derogatory or nothing negative to say about it. It's just another way of coming at it. It's just another another solution. Um, it's just a different way of doing something. Again, I still come back to this mechanical thing that that um, many, many years ago when I was in in Anaheim, um, a very well known name in our industry, Gary Kayler had a chrome plating shop and Gary used to do my chrome plating and at the time he was producing the Kayla vibratos, which was an English design by a guy called Dave Story and he was doing very very well with them and he then started to work with I think a Polish engineer or somebody he had a great engineer called Dave Petchlet that worked with him on, on several designs and he started to work with this guy and this guy had an idea for a hydraulic vibrato hmm. And and Gary thought oh this is great this is this is fantastic but there is we go back to this term finesse and we go back to this, this this thing about feel. There's something that Leo got right that we have accepted. Whether he got it right or whether we've just accepted it is another discussion. But when you've got a pivoting vibrato system, there 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 is a key dimension to a vibrato system. From the edge of the from, from the knife edge that contacts the screw or the pivot post. To the front edge of the block it's half an inch if you start to mess with that you start to change the feel of the vibrato and the vibrato has as as a feel on 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 the arm and if we if we take a vibrato and we, and, we, and we look at the arm the way that arm makes that pivot when you've got the springs and the strings balancing it out there is a feel to it and it's It's subtle. It's something that when it's set up right and you play it, you just go, that is phenomenal. But it can only be set up right if you've got everything in the right place. When it's not in the right place, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it doesn't feel the same. And there is this subtlety that I believe we can't get past
1: 1954,
0: (laughs) which we should be able to. But the reality of it is, is I don't think we can. Leo thought he would got past it. It was a big chunk of metal, as you said, Dave. It always looked a bit weird. And he, and he designed it that way because he wanted to be able to make one vibrato that could be left or right-handed. Uh, so, this is Leo's mindset. Yeah, it, that
1: makes
0: sense. You know, I mean, you know. And you, you can't fault the man. I mean, when the guy did the telecaster and he did the strap, he had two stocks on the pin router. 625 and one and a half inches and he could make a complete body with those two depth stops because he wanted to make it fast he, he we used to have conversations he used to think gibson were crazy why would you glue a neck in a guitar why would you put a 17 degree neck angle on, on a headstock what why would you go to all that trouble when i make a guitar out of a hundred one and three quarters of an inch of you know of alder of or swamp ash or pine or whatever, and I make a neck out of an inch piece of maple. And the only reason he did that was he went down a lumberyard and said, "I want some wood to make a guitar." And they said, "Well, what kind of wood do you want?" He said, "Well, what kind of wood have you got?" And they sort of like, "Well, we've got maple and we've got cherry wood and we've got alder and blah blah blah." And a lot of decisions of what he actually started with were based on price and availability. Mm-hmm. And the reason he settled at one hundred at, at, at one inch 750, one and three quarters of an inch, was the fact that he bought eight quarters stock and by the time he'd machined it down, that's what he was left with. And so he made everything work around that dimension. And then when he got the neck, he bought six quarter maple and machined that down and ended up with an inch. So then when he said, okay, well, now, now I've built the neck and, I, and the problem is, is I haven't got enough down pressure at the nut, so I'm going to scallop it. So he scalloped it. And then he still didn't have enough down pressure on the E and the B string, so he created a string tree to get over that problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was just actually being a productionist. That was not thinking about a guitar as a guitar player, because Leo wasn't a guitar player. He did, however, listen to guitar players all the time. And he would build them something, and they would go away and play it in the club, and they would come back, and they would tell him what he liked and what he didn't like, and all those things. And that's how all those things came about. So for some reason... He got it so right and we got so used to it, when you try and go past it, mm-hmm. it doesn't get accepted.
2: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: That was his frustration. That was his frustration.
2: Yep. Um got a couple more questions left. Uh from F un F unbelievable. Uh why do many bridges with piezos seem to have issues?
0: Um, I don't quite know what the issues um, um, expletives is, is asking about. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I, I think it's an inherent an inherent unreliability in the piezo crystal itself and the way it's mounted. Um, it doesn't like being disturbed. Piezo crystals are really, really finicky things oh. and, uh, and until you understand them and, and work with them and know. How critical it can be. You can have an acoustic guitar with a with with an undersaddle um, piezo crystal in it, and one night it can sound great and work perfectly, and the next night you go up the gig and two strings are dead or two strings are quieter, mm-hmm. and you end up having to just lift the string and reposition it on the saddle, or or, or push the saddle down or do something with it, and it, it fires it up again and now it sounds okay again. They are incredibly finicky. So you try and do that in six individual saddles on the vibrato bridge with a wiggle stick. That's where you run into, run into problems. I mean, if you, if you look at the original Fishman bridge on the Ken Parker fly guitar, the work that went into those saddles and those actual, um, dog bones as, 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 as Larry calls them, where the string runs over and the actual angle that has to be kept on that bridge If you start building a bridge with piezos and you allow people to adjust the height of it or the height of the of the saddles and change the string angle over it, that's a nightmare. Like Larry's piezo vibrato bridge, um, he's used my vibrato bridge for many, many many years because he can control the height of those saddles. Mm. And he actually designed and I believe got a patent on a saddle that the string comes out of the block, sits on the saddle behind the intonation point at the perfect angle to give him the perfect down pressure on the piezo to give him reliability. You allow people to change all that, you're going to run into problems with piezos.
2: Mm. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Um, I think I've gone through all the questions, so I've got one last question. Dave, do you have any other questions that you've run into?
1: Mm, I don't think so.
2: Okay, I've got Francisco Guardian. He says, I'm a big fan of Trev's vs 100 tremolo but it would be amazing if the string could be locked at the pivot point can you please ask him if he has plans to offer retrofit saddles for the vs 100
0: i would like to do that i would like like to do that i i I really really would um and it's something that i've the, the drawings are done the prototypes are made it's just a matter of finding a manufacturing partner that would like to do it what people have to understand is, is, is there's, there's some things about making things that are incredibly expensive. Um, I think I was one of the first guys to use powdered metal as a way of making steel parts to get the price point to where people could afford it. If you have to machine steel, it's incredibly time-consuming, which makes it incredibly expensive. So the saddles that we use on the VS-132P now, um, the tool was nearly 25 grand but the 25 grand allows you to make a saddle out of heat treatable steel which is what they have to be in order to be able to clamp the string and not wear away the plating process also has to be hard chrome plating incredibly thin so that you don't get the plating wearing they take a lot of making those saddles because people do say to us gosh that bridge is expensive and you go well if I'd have if I'd have had to machine it it would have been like not $200 Mm. Um, so there's a lot of investment to be made in things like that to get things to a price point that people will look at it and go yeah that's value for money very very difficult to do a lot of that stuff so yeah I I, I really would love to do that Um, I think it's and again another one of the last pieces in the puzzle and um, I got an approval nod there from Dave so is this what we have to do Dave to get it on a Friedman guitar (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think it would be
1: cool to have one of your bridges on the Freeman guitar. I, yeah, well, I know. I think that's. I think that's going to happen uh, eventually. Uh, it, you know, depending on how everything pans out here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was absolutely thrilled, obviously, when when John decided to use it on the on on the uh, on the Thorn model, and then he actually used it on his signature guitar. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so that kind of that kind of tells you that it works. It works. Oh yeah, and and it gives you the assurances that our, you know, I think you know we we we're, we're all a little bit um, doubting of ourselves sometimes. Um, is that right? Did did I make that right decision? Is, is is that good enough? Is is that the way I want it to be? Um, but when you get assurances from people like you know, from people like John, and you get artists like Pete Thorne going out and using it night after night after night, uh-huh. then you go. Uh, maybe maybe i got something right yeah it's working working well yeah you got yeah. it right
2: all right. um one last question cuz i was curious about this ludwig lazars asked thoughts on prs tremolos cheers from sweden
0: yeah um <laughs> <laughs> paul paul smith is, is is a very very clever guy uh, I have a lot of respect for Paul Smith. Um, I hope he has a little bit of respect for me. Um he he set out to create this this guitar, which which I have, have, have said many, many times, and, and I truly believe this. I think he created the third classic. Mm-hmm. I, I I really, really do. Um he he came at it from a Les Paul Jr. double cut and morphed it into a strap. And he put the two together. And he knew that he had to get that guitar working. And he knew he had to do things with the vibrato that would actually keep the guitar in tune. And again, he took the same tack as Leo. He knew he needed straight string pull at the headstock. He knew he needed locking tuners. And he knew that he had to have a shallow shallow headstock angle. Those things together will really, really help. Then you move down the guitar and you come to the bridge. And then he created six screw pivots. The only thing I don't understand about what he did was why he grooved every single one of those screws. Because he still has the bridge sat on the surface of the guitar. And it's very, very difficult to line six grooves up on six screws that are so small to get perfect return to zero. But when they set up the Phenomenal, but when people start messing with screws and, and doing tweaks and things, then you start to, to get problems. And I, I don't think you'll mind me saying this, but initially he started off with what I call a blob of brass bronze. And it literally was a blob of brass bronze because I actually made his vibratos for him for a very short time in Anaheim. And I created them from this blob. And what he actually did was, he's changed it completely now. He's gone to a two-piece construction with steel and all those kind of things. But this thing was brass bronze. So it was like a a friction material, but it was quite soft. And this shape looked like um, it was sandcast. And it was incredibly crude. It It was just a blob of this material that nearly looked like a vibrato bridge. And what you had to do is, is you had to take this and you had to put it on a CNC machine and you had to first face face somewhere to create a reference point. Then you had to create a shape to hold it and then you had to CNC machine the rest of the stuff off it because somewhere in there was a bridge but you had to find it with a CNC cutter. Oh, wow. And then all that after that was, was, was refining it. But it was a great concept, and, and later on, as he does now, he has changed it to a steel top plate that is fastened to a sustained block with three screws in it, going back to the old fenderway. But he started off with this brass blob, and it was, it, was, it was incredible, actually. I had a wonderful programmer who worked with me, who actually managed to figure out how you made a PRS bridge out of this blob of brass bronze. Hmm. Wow. Crazy. But he did something. I think he did something incredible, and and he, he he's going from from strength to strength. And I have to say, that I think the John Mayer guitar, the Silver Sky, is just is just incredible. Um, yeah, it's the the, the, the the way he's done it. It's a very it, cool it, guitar.
2: It sounds great. Yeah, yeah it really sounds great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although he won't make a lefty. I asked him. I asked him at Gear Fest, and he told me, "Hell no." Yeah.
0: He's got, so much, he's got so much going on at the moment um, that, you know, the company's growing at a phenomenal rate. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to see. Yep. It's great to see. It, it is. Really is. It's awesome.
2: Well, I've run through all the questions, Trev. I really appreciate you taking all the time that you have today to be on the show. Uh, Enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Guys, make sure you check out Wilkinson Direct on Reverb.com. Um, you can get all your Wilkinson parts there and uh, – Trav, is there a way that people can reach out to you if they want to
0: contact you for anything? Yeah, they can. They can get us on Instagram at, at uh, Woodson Direct Instagram. Um, they'll get through to the lovely Kate, and she will get them whatever answer they want. Or if they want to talk to me, she will give them contact numbers. And I, I always have open door policy. I pick up the phone. I will, I will talk to anybody. That's the key to the company is communication with your customer.
1: Absolutely. That's a good good motto. Yep. Dave does
0: the
2: same thing. I try. try. Yep. Well, it's awesome. Everybody, I hope you stay safe, stay healthy. Um, All your families, everybody, uh, you have a great rest of the weekend. Our next guest is uh, Ryan Bruce Fluff, uh, and he's coming on uh, April 17th. And then the following guest after that is Brett Papa. Um, Who will be coming on? I think that's May 1st. So I'll just check us out. Make sure you hit the bell and subscribe to the channel. Go to sweetwater.com also, guys. And uh, we will talk to you soon, Trev. Have a great evening, Hank.
0: Thank you very much,
2: guys. I really appreciate it. And you guys stay safe and well. You too. All right. You too. You too. Hang on. Thanks
0: for the opportunity. Really nice talking to you and everybody online. Awesome.
2: Yes. Thank you. Everybody have a great
0: weekend. And again, stay safe. There you go. Take care. Bye.